Sebo Shen is the CEO of Hanu Labs based in San Francisco, California. Hanu Labs' flagship product, the Hanu Stone, is an award-winning personal vaporizer that is setting out to change the landscape of cannabis consumption. In light of all the controversy surrounding vape pens and the like, Sabo shed some light on the importance of purchasing from reputable and well-regulated sources. He talked about how having a non-engineering background helped him innovate and create unique products in a saturated marketplace. Cannabis is breaking down legal barriers around the world every day, and we touched on its effects on the media, on society, and even our own families. We even got into how cannabis is becoming more commonplace in athletic training and recovery, something that legalization is helping to accelerate rapidly. So whether you're a veteran consumer, indulge on occasion, or are curious in any capacity about the benefits or concerns surrounding the versatile plan, we really think that you will enjoy this conversation. So let's jump into it and see what's good. Quality, 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 quality goods. What is good, folks? You are tuned into the Quality Goods Podcast once again. I am Chris Beatty. And I'm Anson J. And today is another beautiful day in the Bay Area. I, I feel like I say that every time but you know what it's that's the beauty of the bay area is we have a lot of those days yeah the summer is over but now we have entered indian summer and uh it's it's been just as hot i'm not gonna lie today it it chilled out a little bit though and uh we are hanging out over in foster city california because we have sabo shen the ceo of hanu labs welcome to the podcast man hey what's up guy thank you man thank you for coming uh having us by and everything Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming. Yeah, this is really cool because, you know, both of us actually got exposed to your your products before having the opportunity to meet you. I know um, the Vape Exhale, uh, that I I got to uh, experience that at Barbary Coast uh, probably almost like two years ago now Mm -hmm. when they were first starting to open their like lounge and stuff like that and the dab bar. Yep. But uh, yeah, the the whole process of like dropping a little tube into a cylinder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, it's like, man, this is some advanced stuff right here. Yeah, that's my first time seeing that one. And then, um, yeah, I was able, fortunate earlier this year to um, come across one of your stones. And that was, that was a great experience with that too. So yeah, it's been, uh, and then to find out uh, after telling Chris about it, the other stuff you did, like, oh yeah, this is going to be a, it's going to be a nice little talk here so yeah, well thanks for uh doing some research before you came <laughs> yeah definitely not a, not a hard uh topic to research so yeah so i mean the first question is is a little obvious to me it's like this is not a device that you would typically uh expect to uh you know have the effect that it does it's it's very different than anything else on the market so maybe you can just tell us a little about the stone yeah absolutely so um we designed the stone uh, about 24 months ago, and sorry about that. I think that's my dishwasher just letting me know <laughs> if I could unload it. Yeah, um, everything is a notification these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Honey Stone, uh, we designed this device uh, mainly because we saw that there was a bunch of new devices coming onto the market: the Pax Era, the G Pen Geo, uh, Dosis has a pen as well, and all of these pens, while they looked a whole lot better than your standard 
510 cartridge. And the 510 cartridge, for people that don't know, are just your standard cylindrical uh, vape pens on the market. Um, it's very hard to tell, you know, which are the good ones uh, from the bad ones. So a lot of companies started doing um, just their own specific designs. Uh, many times they were closed loop systems, so they didn't work with any other products. And what I noticed was that uh, the higher the industrial design, the lower the utilitarian functionality. So uh, I know a lot of people, uh, I would say 100% of my wife's friends, you know, they only buy based on style. So despite me telling them like they're overspending for this brand or that brand, <laughs> yeah. they'll keep buying them. And so I decided, you know, instead of just preaching to the choir, why don't I design a device that has high industrial design, mix it with really great functionality and you know, give people the best of both worlds. Yeah, for you guys out there who haven't seen one of these yet, I, I highly suggest you go at least like do a quick Google search and you, you can see right away that this is not something that you would expect to see on the shelves at like a yeah. dispensary or anywhere else that you find yeah. vape pens and cartridges. Yeah, it's very sleek. Uh, I mean, I think if someone pulled it out, you would have questions about it. like, wow, what is that? I've never seen <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's a conversation piece. Start, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, um, when we were looking at the industry as a whole, you know, all of us talk about health and wellness. It's one of the things that we really, you know, hang our um, reputation on. And what we noticed was, regardless of the higher style and design of these new devices, they were all long and skinny. And they're long and skinny because they follow the form factor of an e-cigarette, which obviously follows the form factor of a cigarette. And, you know, it just dawned on me that we're always talking about health and wellness. Why are we mimicking something that is not good for your health? And this kind of came to me um, when I was watching my mom utilize a vape pen, and she was just having uh, trouble, like, hitting it, you know? Like, she would just take really small puffs, and she would say, I feel like I'm smoking a cigarette. So, you know, because of just watching her personal experience, it, it made me really think that we should change the form factor. And we also made it asymmetrical because, well, we live in Silicon Valley, I think even here, people are sick of technology. They're hiking more, <laughs> camping more, meditating more. Yeah. So we thought it would be important that if we were introducing another piece of technology into the cannabis space, which is a natural uh, 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 plant, is that we pay some homage to Mother Nature's imperfection or perfect imperfection. And then it also feels really cool in your hand, too. Yeah, it's ergonomic. You know, it fits well. And... Uh... You know, and it fits in your pocket as well. You know, just mm -hmm. slide it into your pocket. Yeah. What are some of the things? Also, like you said, the design—it's clear that it uh, stands out from the traditional pen. But what are some of the other um, differences between this and a regular like vape pen that everyone's probably seen? Yeah. So I think uh, that's a very salient question, especially now when there's a lot of you know crisis around uh, the vaporization market. And one of the things that we really wanted to. Um, well, there's three things that I think are plaguing the cannabis uh, vaporization industry. Uh, one is the quality of the oil or the e-liquids that are being put in. Uh, two, it's the hardware. You know, um, you can buy counterfeits of the hardware for like 50 cents online, or you could buy a $3 version of it. And if you're selling on the illicit market, you know, why would you spend three bucks when you could spend 50 cents and have greater margins? And then the last thing is um, the pairing of the hardware, the cartridge and the batteries. Most people will run the battery at the highest temperature. When it's running at the highest temperature, it could degrade the components within the cartridge as well as the oil. So uh, we were aware of all of these things before making our first 
uh, a vape pen, and mainly because we started off with the Vape XL Evo, which is a desktop vaporizer. And for those that are unfamiliar with that nomenclature, a desktop vaporizer is merely one that you have to plug in. And we started off with that because we knew, as with all technologies, things get smaller, more portable, more affordable. And when we were looking at the vape pen market, um, we noticed that most of them were using what they call a wicking system. So um, a wick is just basically like a piece of cotton that would wick the oil, and then that cotton would be in direct um, contact with the atomizer or the heater. So it, yeah, so it was like really a similar concept to like a candle, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was really like more like low temperature smoking. So we essentially came up with a wickless system. That way we're utilizing um, a conductive heat. Uh, it's much more efficient. Um, we could utilize lower temperatures. It preserves the flavor. And by utilizing lower temperatures, benzene, which is one of the carcinogens, is not released. So um, that's some of the stuff that we did on the hardware side. And then the second piece is um, the uh, the partners that we chose. So the partners that we chose, none of them use polyethylene glycol, vitamin E acetate, uh, diluents or thickeners in their um, oils or in their liquids. And uh, based on, you know, all the reported cases, there's a direct link to the vitamin E acetate and or polyethylene glycol in the cases of uh, people getting sick off of vaporizers. And on top of that, you know, if you start looking at the data more closely, you know, most of these people were huffing down one, two, three, four, or five jewel pods, cannabis cartridges a day. And, you know, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even it's the safest multiple, things. like grams worth of, uh, you know, yeah, fluid. Probably, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do a lot of testing here, and, you know, we don't go through that much, at least individually. Just, yeah, and, oh, yeah, and, while you're, and you're testing it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I think that for a lot of us, you know, like myself, when we when I was growing up, cannabis was illegal. Now it's legal, and I think a lot of people always try to position it that, no one's ever overdosed on cannabis, so, you know, you could consume as much as you want, and there's no negative after effects. And physiologically, there are very little after effects, um, but there is still – that's not a reason just to indulge on <laughs> yeah, things, you know. Yeah, it's just like – right, right. It's like when the paleo diet or Atkins diet became famous, like – People were just eating like assholes and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything in moderation. Correct. That includes cannabis, you know. Like uh, just 100. because there's no uh, recorded deaths and yeah. uh, for overdosing, you know, it doesn't mean that there aren't still dangers that can be caused by overconsumption. Yeah. Correct, correct. And a lot of times too is like knowing your body and how you take on anything you do, you know, especially when it comes to cannabis or whatever. You know, you got to make sure you feel right. You can't just go by what whatever else is doing. So. Yep, yep. And then just to um, answer your question, so in addition to choosing partners that are putting in a high-quality oil, on the hardware side, our pods are ROHS and ROHS2 compliant, which is a global standard on hazardous materials. We were actually the first and only company to pass Category 3 testing in California. Uh, Category 3 testing was for lead, mercury, arsenic, and cadmium. Um, I don't know about you. I like to get my mercury from sashimi, not from uh, my vapes. And... Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of like poor taste to, you know, talk bad about the competition. But, you know, given on what's going on right now, when I look at all of our competitors who talk about health and wellness um, and then they failed category three testing, you know, one has to ask, you know, like, are they talking about the health and wellness of their bank accounts or the health and wellness of their consumers? So, you know, that's one of the things that we're super proud about. You know, we didn't raise as much money as packs or doses, but we believe we've done everything right from the get go from the hardware side and all the way to the filling partners that we choose to fill our pods.
Yeah, I think uh, since this is still like new territory for so many companies, it's easy to overlook all the safety regulations and all that because it's not uh, legal on a federal level quite yet. And so they're not being regulated uh, to those standards because I, I can only assume that those standards are going to get more strict as we broaden the scope of this. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you're absolutely right, Chris. They're going to get more strict. And ultimately, the winners are going to be the consumers. And for a company like ourselves who, you know, as I said, we were doing it right from the get-go, you know, we feel very confident and we're very happy that this is going to be put in place because, you know, as a company whose product was $5 more, $10 more than the competition, it was hard for us to uh, drop our price because the margins weren't there. It cost more money to create quality products. You know, and, um, you know, because of this crisis, you know, we actually believe it's going to help us quite a bit and help all of our partners that are doing it right that aren't on the illicit market. And um, and hopefully now we could all make a decent margin while giving safe products to our consumers. Yeah, I think it's big. Um, you know, like you said, the style is great of it. But when you start with something like that, it already separates you from everyone else because it doesn't look like them. And so it's easier to, I think even hear you out on the rest of your message, you know, like, Oh, this is what else the benefits of it, you know? And yeah. And like you said, you have ratings that no one else has. So, I mean, it's easy to, to see you guys are doing your way. So thank you. Yeah. Even though it is a scare in the media, you know, and people might taper off for a while on consuming, uh, in that form, but ultimately, like you said, it will be good for the industry overall because it will weed out all those people who were producing low grade and, you know, low quality vaporizer pods. Exactly. And ultimately, you know, even though I think that it has been made a bigger deal than it actually is, I think it shows how quickly people could come together and organize, you know, like at least for me, once this uh, came down, I was on a call with a hundred other vape manufacturers. Uh, We were talking about what we had to do. Uh, We spoke with Lori Ajax of the BCC And we essentially went through all the data and we actually offered a bunch of different resources. So there's a company called Canisafe now, which is doing the testing on all the products. And of the 10 that they bought off the illicit market, all 10 had the diluent, the vitamin E acetate or the polyethylene glycol. And all those that were bought on the legal market didn't. So I believe that this was actually really good because the general public, they probably didn't know how much compliance and testing goes on in the regulated market. And I know that taxes are 30, 35% right now. Um, and that's why a lot of people are going to the illicit market. But, you know, when you go to the illicit market and things aren't tested, well, this is what happened. Yeah, that's the risk, of course, it takes. Yeah. Correct. And, you know, when they were talking about banning it, we we're like, well, that's just really going to strengthen the illicit market because those that were doing it right are the ones going to be affected, not the people that are selling it in the underground. So your current product is the Hanu Stone, which is, might I just say once again, that it is a really nice product, feels really good in the hand, but you had a product line before the handheld device. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the Vape Exhale tabletop vaporizers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Vape Exhale Evo, it is actually High Times desktop vaporizer of the year for the last four years running. Um, we designed it in 2012, which seems like ages ago at this yeah. point. And during, uh, at 2012, it was actually, uh, it was my sales manager and I's idea to create vaporizers. And we were just hoping to make a few thousand bucks extra every month. And, uh, we entered it into the cannabis cup 
and we ended up winning. The first time we won, oh, wow. thank you. Yeah, the first time we won, it was for its flower vaping capabilities, and then um, the following year, we re-entered it with its oil dabbing capabilities as dabbing was becoming more and more popular. So. Uh, once we won those two awards, we felt very confident that we built a technology that was best in breed for both flower and concentrates. And at that time, the cannabis industry started organizing, and we were actually able to raise some money and turn this into a real company. But for me, um, the reason why we designed it this way is that I had actually discovered vaporization in 1997, right when I started consuming cannabis. So it was with vaporizers. It was with this heat gun. It was this with really the, was it the box kind or was it oh i had a box one too and um basically you know i, I always remembered my friends that were hitting bongs like it was like very visually like fun to watch them ripping the bong and i was always a very kind of like health oriented cannabis user so i was always using my vaporizer sucking on the hose or like mm. the giant bag while yeah, i was seeing that. them ripping bongs and I just, I mean, I also ripped the bongs with them too. <laughs> and I, but that Preferably, would, only, yeah, 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 that yeah. would only be like once or twice a month. And then I would use the vaporizer all the other times. But I just remembered bongs being so much stronger. It got me to where I wanted to be. <laughs> so when we were designing a vaporizer, I just thought having a vapor bong would be the best like yes, combination of the yes. two. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I would have friends come over. They were sitting on that couch right over there. And, from 1997 to 2010, I would always espouse to them the benefits of vaporization over smoking. <laughs> Man, you know, trendsetter way before yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was out there. Yeah, and none of them ever converted. And they mm. were just like, vaporizers <laughs> don't hit me hard enough. They don't get me high enough. You know, all of these reasons. So when we were designing this device, we were like, it just needs to be this super strong, super heavy hitting vaporizer. And then at the same time, we utilize this all glass heater core, uh, not because you know, glass is easy to work with, but it's inert and non-reactive. So it's a really safe material. It also preserves the flavor. So if you're like a cannabis connoisseur, you know, all the terpenes really, you know, don't get adulterated by, you know, aluminum or any other types of heaters. And yeah, you know, so basically it's kind of like a connoisseur, heavy hitting desktop vaporizer and all the physics and science principles we learned from um, like the uh, Venturi effect, which was, you know, taking a large, a mass of gas and shrinking it into a tinier volume of air. You know, by doing that, you actually uh, lower the air pressure and you lower the boiling point. So that allows us to make these really milky clouds without having to pump up the vapor or the temperature, which is kind of counterintuitive. But, you know, that is part of the art and science of vaporization and why, you know, even though this device is five years old now, you know, we're still high times desktop of the year. Yeah, no, I really like the technology. And then in conjunction with the cool glass tops that you can add to it, you can make it your own device. And it's, you know, it looks cool when you put like a little sleeve on it. Did you have a background? Like, it, you know, you said kind of it was your preferred way to do anything was vaping since the 90s. But what's, what was your background like in designing? Uh, did you have anything before designing this at all? That's oh, man. You, you know, um, this is kind of one of the funniest questions because I was actually an Asian American studies major. Um, that's what I got my degree in. I was going to become an immigration attorney. Um, but basically, I just like smoking weed all the time <laughs> or vaping weed all the time. Um, I don't have, you know, despite being Asian, like I'm horrible at math, you know, like engineering is not my cup of tea. Okay. Um, but I bought over 300 vaporizers before I designed wow. this. So that's I took a, them all apart. Real R &D. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, 
I would say anyone that is of average intelligence, if you buy 300 of these, you start noticing, okay, these are the ones that kind of work better. These are the ones that don't. Yep. Yep. So I just started like taking down notes of like, these are all the things that work good. These don't work good. Then I talked to a real engineer and he put all this stuff together. And, um, we actually, we didn't have an industrial designer when we created the Vape XL Evo, but with the stone, um, we ended up hiring a designer mainly because as I was mentioning, you know, all the devices that had higher design, you know, to me, it was kind of like buying like a Ferrari, but there's like a Honda engine in it. Right. So I wanted the body and engine to be congruent. So I knew that wasn't my core competency. So we hired these guys out of, uh, Lunar Designs in San Francisco. They do really cool um concepts and things and you know as i was telling them about the portable and the things that were important to me um that's when we started talking about this really different shape and why it should kind of transcend what's going on in the industry right now and not just be like an evolutionary jump to what's going on but try to be revolutionary so that you know like i'm hoping people don't even call this a vape pen you know yeah. like we don't know what they'll call it maybe yeah. some herbal delivery that, yeah, system that, or that came yeah. that became the preferred the easiest like go to yeah. slang term yeah. yeah but that's what you say you don't you're not you don't want to be in a box with those guys cuz that's not what you're doing so it's great and it's i guess it's easy to separate yourself from. yeah i mean cuz looking at this thing i i can't call it a pen you know it's yeah. just it's not that i mean it's great like the fact that you said you went from award-winning with your you know to be able to to reinvent the wheel again with your next thing i'm sure is like you know something that stays in the forefront of your mind you know you're always looking at like why if i'm going to build something i'm going to do it differently than everyone yeah else. yeah i worked for this company success factors which is actually a sap <laughs> yeah, company so. um and um really interesting ceo um the first day he goes he comes up to me, he's like, you're Japanese, right? And I was like, nah, I was just born in Japan, but my family's from Taiwan. But I have a Japanese first name. And he goes, do you know what the word Kaizen means? And I'm like, no. And then he leads me to his office, and Kaizen is the Japanese word for continuous improvement. And then um, the other thing that he showed me was like a sign that says, you could have an asshole, but you can't be an asshole, which I thought was like kind of a cool little thing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> Good reminder. Kaizen, continuous improvement, and don't be an asshole. But, you know, that 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 was one of my first jobs out of college, and that concept really just stuck with me. And, you know, when we were designing this device, we had some idea that we would take all the learnings on the physics and science side and apply it to these smaller devices so that, Again, you know, when you use this device, I'm hoping you guys had a better experience than most vape pens. And, you know, I think it's because we had this, um, we had the luxury of uh, designing a much larger device where, you know, we didn't have constrictions of battery size or the size of the device. We just, you know, ha- when you have less restrictions, I think you have much better designs. When you have more restrictions or you're trying to design for everyone, I think you come up with more neuter designs. Yeah. Well, you also it forces innovation though, because then it forces you to, you know, look at what can I do with this given space, and you have to really think outside of the box to achieve stuff like that. It's like when they're designing like a new iPhone, or you know, they're trying to figure how can I fit the most powerful battery into the smallest space. So like, yeah. the, it forces people to come up with new technologies. Oftentimes, like like you have here, I'm. I'm what kind of uh, technology, like how does it differentiate from yeah. 
a typical 510 battery? Yeah, so um, I would say that uh, the bulk of the magic is in the atomizer. The atomizer is basically the heater. And we talked about how the previous devices had a wicking system. Um, packs with their Pax era, they have a dual wicking system. So it's kind of like two four-cylinder engines equals a V8 or something like that. And we went with the wickless system. So uh, there's other companies that also have a wickless system like C-Cell. But what we did differently is we have a, a ceramic core atomizer that is more like a sponge. So the C-Cell ceramic atomizer, it's more like a disc. The oil just sits right on top. Whereas ours, much like a sponge, it has all these nicks and crannies. So the oil seeps in. So um, we have roughly three times the surface area, and the best analogy I could use is if you're cooking pancakes like on a small skillet, you know, maybe one ounce of batter it needs five seconds on each side. You flip it, but if you were to spread that same amount of batter over like a 12-inch skillet, you'll have a crepe in maybe like a half second. So when you spread the oil over a larger surface area, that that's the secret that allows us to use lower temperatures to pr uh, produce more voluminous clouds. It also keeps the terpene profile intact, so all those like flavor profiles or the more nuanced flavor profiles start coming through. And that's on top of just being a really safe device. You know, we really wanted this thing to give a connoisseur's experience too. And um, kind of embarrassingly, I was that 42-year-old that would still bring a dab rig everywhere I went. <laughs> like my wife would go into a restaurant with our two daughters. They're eight and four now. And I'm like taking dabs in the car before I go in because yeah. I want to be super hungry. Yeah. So when we were designing this portable, she's like, it has to be heavy hitting because, you know, I'm, you I'm through with you just going to the car and taking dabs. Yeah, uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> Come in for round two. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Man. But yeah, and that's the thing. It's you know what you're looking for, so you know people are gonna like like it just because you're you're taking all those years of experience. Like, how many uh, e pans you have to take apart to get that going? Too? Oh man, I, basically all of them. <laughs> yeah, you know? just like the same way. Yeah. I have a graveyard of them right there in that corner, <laughs> and you know I used to have a graveyard of all the uh, all the vapes that we yeah. used to keep. But my wife saw the Marie Kondo Netflix special, so <laughs> they're out of here. Started clearing out the house. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's the best way. I yeah. mean, you know, I always thought, you know, science and engineering required a certain degree. And what I realized is it just requires a lot of curiosity. Yeah. You know, if you ask a lot of questions. Yeah, tests. Yep, yep. And if you know what you're after, then you yeah. can figure out a way to get there. It may not be the quickest way, but mm -hmm. maybe the most thorough. Yeah, and you know, I think that, I mean... Number one, I'm super blessed that there's actually a cannabis industry right now. Otherwise, you know, my... 22 years of vape experience would have just been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an expensive hobby, I yeah. guess. But, you know, it does kind of just remind me to like just double down on the things that you love. Um, and, you know, I think that even though I'm not an engineer, we were able to design the best devices because I believe and, you know, this may be a little arrogant of me to say, but I believe our companies kind of ideological focus on the love of the plant is what allowed us to out-engineer teams that had way more engineers than me, way bigger budgets, and produce devices that just didn't hit as good. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, in, in multiple fields, you you grow up on such a technical as like you know vision of something you you miss out on the art that you could put into things just because you learned it one way and you're like no this is the formula that was used. So when you're married to those ideas from studying, you're like. You know, you don't veer from that as much as someone who comes kind of comes in from a, a hobby perspective, you know, or like just, yeah, just a. No, that, that's a really good um, 
perspective because, you know, in jujitsu, it's, there's like a very specific sequence of getting people in a specific position. And, but at the same time is if you're too married to that sequence, then sometimes you just miss a lot of these opportunities. And well, the school that I train at 10th Planet San Mateo, it's not explicitly a stoner school, but the guy that started at Eddie Bravo, the reason why he was able to beat a lot of these Brazilians was that he would smoke a ton of weed and then he would do these unconventional ways to get into these moves. And the first time you see these unconventional ways, it's really hard to stop, you know? And um, that actually, through jujitsu, it took my view of cannabis from just being like a medicine or something people do recreationally to something that really actually could add and benefit to people's lives, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like I often thought like, oh man, they're achieving flow state while they're rolling on the ground, grappling with each other and finding new entries and exits out of these moves. And then when I would watch like people freestyling, like at first I was like, I can't believe they're getting drunk and smoking weed before they have to freestyle battle. And then little did I not, yeah, I was like, I just didn't know they were actually just getting loose and getting into the flow of things and just getting out of their heads. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, this is, you know, if we could just make it healthier for people to consume cannabis, then they could really benefit from it and not just have to take two steps forward and one step back. Yeah, I know you started or you put out your first device before uh, cannabis was legal in California. How did that uh, how did you have to adapt uh, when when California legalized cannabis recreationally. Yeah, you know what's interesting is, so our first device, um, we didn't sell with with any consumable. So it was something that we could sell across um, state borders, and it was just a piece of hardware. Um, Now with our second device, because it comes with uh, THC pods, you know, we have to stay within the confines of California. Um, The compliance is, actually, it's one of the most regulated industries, which is why you know, all the pods that were tested um, from the regulated industry didn't have any of these um, in- uh, materials in them. But um, it actually, I mean, as you can imagine, with the legalization, it helped business. It opened a lot of doors. And mainly it was um, the 18 to 35 market. You know, there was really no, I think, there was no hesitation to buy a cannabis product if they wanted a cannabis product. But if you were older than that age, you know, you might be scared about what people at the office say, or maybe your parents or just your peer group. And with legalization, you know, it just, I think, made a lot of the soccer moms super comfortable about it. You know, I was uh, the president of the PTA three years ago. Um, it was actually one of the best uh, sources of leads, to be honest. Like, everyone's <laughs> yeah. super stressed out, you know, yeah. dual-income families. You know, yeah. drinking gives you a headache the next day. Like, have Cons- you ever tried this? It has yeah. far less yeah. side effects. Yeah, no hangovers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think, you know, that just kind of made it easier coming out of the green closet for everyone. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, the fact that, you know, my, my in-laws and my parents consume cannabis now, they're both, you know, traditional Asian Chinese, you know, parents, you know, I feel like, yeah, the legalization has really allowed them to accept this for what it is. And, um, sometimes I I can't believe that we're, we're living in a, yeah, yeah. Like my, 
like my daughter, I think she thinks it's like the uncoolest thing you could possibly do, <laughs> you know? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's out there where, yeah, exactly. That's funny. I mean, and, and I think a thing that your brand does very well is just having the knowledge to back up what you guys are doing. Like you can see the innovation, but you have the, you know, the educational, uh, you know, part that you want to make sure people know. And with, you know, it becoming recreational, are there are there different kind of questions? Because I mean, even for an experienced um, you know smoker or consumer, your products are different. You know, so I mean, I wonder I wonder how the questions are from like your the beginners and maybe the more experienced uh, customers when they come across your products. Yeah, you know what's interesting is I think that before legalization, there was a lot more people that were willing to learn a lot about cannabis, the ins and outs of it. You know, how do I how do I procure it? Do I roll it? Do I put it in a bong? Do I put it into a pipe? You know, post 2016, you know, virtually everyone was just looking for the easiest, most convenient way to consume cannabis. So in in some respect, I'm very happy for legalization. In other ways, I'm kind of like disappointed because those that were consuming it before it was legal, you know, I think the intellectual curiosity for learning more about it was much higher. So and this is why we ended up making this portable device, you know, which was, you know, I think of the Vape XL Evo as kind of like, you know, preparing your food at home. And I think of vape pens as like fast food, you know, yeah, so I could see that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So my goal was kind of like fine dining experience with fast food convenience. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Even those that are in the industry, you know, um, like the Vape XL Evo, there's not like a lot of reference points to describe like what this device yes, is. Yeah, you like I just got to show you. Yeah, like I yeah. can't really explain it because it doesn't yeah, do what other things it's, do. It's a one of a kind <clears> device. <throat> mm-hmm. yeah. And my first investor was actually my sales manager at Success Factors, and mm. <laughs> I would see him try to describe this device to his friends, and he would always get like really frustrated. And he's like this really articulate guy, and he would just go, "It's a super bong, okay." <laughs> Plain yeah. and simple. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny the point you bring up about uh, people just wanting the most convenient way to consume. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so true. I had the experience when I went to uh, Bottle Rock in Napa Valley in the music festival. And it's a much more mature crowd at that festival. You know, I would say you're getting into like the 40s and 50s because it's a mixed genre and mm-hmm. wine country. But, uh, yeah, I start seeing all these guys have busting out vape pens everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, look look at where the, the market is now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, like my, my mom, my dad, my in-laws would come over and they would always use the Vape XL Evo. But one day I saw when they were leaving, my mother-in-law was using a vape pen. And once I saw her using her vape pen, you know, like, for some reason, it just stuck in my head, and um, I would always notice that they, when they would come over, they would use the device, but after they would leave, they would always use their vape pen, and it got me thinking, like, this has to be part of the way people are consuming, and what I came to realize was they were using their vape pens, like, pretty much 95% of the time, and then when they would come over, they would use this device, and that is why, you know, just like you said, at Bottle Rock, you know, there's... There's a certain like stealthiness to these yeah, devices. The exactly. yeah. 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 But what I'm hoping is, you know, we just live in a world where <laughs> discretion is the least of your concern. Yeah, exactly. It's more of just, you know, this is my preferred methodology of consuming yes. cannabis. Yeah. Convenience is huge. <laughs> but uh, also, another thing that legalization has brought about is 
branding and i mean i'm I'm sure you've seen it firsthand all these cool brands i guess you know with these colorful labels and stuff i how much has that uh, affected how you dictate with your own business yeah you know right now i would say even more so than the quality of your products uh, branding is the number one thing it's a new and nascent industry so for those that are uneducated which is now the majority of the people going to dispensaries you know, we all buy kind of based on what looks good. If it has great branding, great packaging, um, it could fool someone into thinking that that same level of quality is what's inside the jar. Um, so I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it because I love that the branding has improved because now I could tell people, go to the dispensary and go look at the products and they don't have to feel weird about, you know, buying stuff and getting in a plastic baggy or (laughs) or just brands that look like you know master p mid to late 90s like graphics on them you know but the flip side is um and this is even us if you look at our packaging there's just like so much stuff that you throw away you know just for like a pod or for like a device but it's kind of like what is needed to compete right now you know if you don't have that packaging if you don't have that high-end branding um, a lot of people aren't reaching for your product. And before, when it was a medicine, you know, the bud tenders could spend 5, 10, 15 minutes talking to people. Now that it is more of a commodity, the store managers are just, everything's transactional. So, you know, there, there's good and bad to, you know, the legalization of it. But ultimately, what I always think about is, hey, people aren't going to jail. So if we have to put up with, you know, more packaging or higher taxes or, you know, some business practices that could be considered unfair by some people. Well, so be it for right now, but hopefully it starts normalizing. And for me, I'm hoping that we could get packaging. Like if you're buying a device or like a one-time product, then yeah, you know, really high-end packaging. But if you're buying a consumable, it should be biodegradable, sustainable, and less is more. You know, I think less is more. Yeah, because honestly, you're there for the consumable product. The rest is going immediately into the trash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just be conscious of that because, yeah, especially people that are coming from areas where they can't consume so that their only experience is when they're out in the, you know, in the state or other states like that. So Yeah, and as Chris was alluding to, you know, like one of my pet peeves is, you know, a lot of companies saying they're using this special technique or that special technique so that you'll get more benefit from the plant. You know, the truth is the plant is what benefits you, you know, like whichever modality you're taking it, smoking it, transdermal, topical, ingesting it, you know, like the quality of the flower that is made uh, or used to make that extraction is what's most important. Not all these like different things that they're adding or this special technology. And a lot of it is due to the fact that it is a nascent industry. So if you put the word like quantum or nano before something, people are like, oh man, it must be better. And you know, like the interesting thing is I can't remember which specific article, maybe someone can fact check, but it was like one third of like the CBD water companies had no CBD in it, (laughs) you know? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So what did, what, like amount of CBD yeah. per volume does yeah you put one drop and it's infused to, yeah. you know like it still counts right right yeah, like, right so you know I think for a lot of uh, people I always want to just caution them into um, just understanding that you know the whole plant the one that you grow in the dirt you know you could grow it yourself now in California 
And it's going to be just as good as what any of these guys are growing in these, you know, indoor hydroponic or outdoor, you know, green glass, um, uh, uh, green rooms. And ultimately, I mean, well, you can see my backyard. We grow all of our own vegetables and we're not the best farmers, but guess what? It tastes just as good yeah. as store bought stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh shit, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah, and that's actually one thing that uh, Brian, our mutual friend of House Caviar, uh, you know, stressed so much is that like knowing where the source of your product is and being that close to it and being educated on what you're consuming. Because, you know, you can go out and buy factory farmed eggs or chicken or whatever, but, you know, it's, all, it's better for us and the environment when we source local and, you know, cage free and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Tastes better, you know. I, I'm a big believer in in getting the best quality food you can afford, and I agree with Brian 100%. You know, not everyone can grow their own food, um, but just know where you're getting it from, especially your cannabis. You know, especially your cannabis. So something I think both you and Brian and uh, talked about was the experience, and like you said, it being recreational now. There's that fast food effect to a lot of it, but with all those places, they're still new young like food places that open up that give you the experience and you guys are both doing great jobs of like showing that light onto the cannabis industry so thank you appreciate that yeah thank you you know i think that um in the cannabis industry there are very few asians that are vocal about it you know most of the asians that i know uh for whatever reason they're Man, sometimes their parents don't even know that they're working in the cannabis industry and they're like the CEO of their <laughs> yeah. company. I was like, yeah. how did this happen? But, you know, like I think and that's why I've always encouraged Brian as well as myself to just be really vocal about it, to normalize it. You know, Brian's a smart dude. Um, I think I'm at least smarter than the average bear, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if we talk intelligently about it and educate people you know, that is what gets more Asians to accept this. Like pretty much every time there's a, 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 like people opposing a dispensary being open like in the sunset or whatever, you know, they'll call me or one other Asian person to go speak <laughs> to these groups. And, you know, it really helps, you know, like when they know like I graduated from UCLA, you know, I went to law school um, and that I am still doing something in this industry, not because I have to, but because I'm choosing to do too. And you got a family, you're doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, like really, really conventional, you know. And not only that, it's, you know, I would argue, you know, we're doing better than average, you know. So, um, and I I think that's, that's, that is what's required to start changing the paradigm of how people look at it, not just as a medicine, but something that could uh, proactively improve people's lives. And I think it would be even shocking just like when you're talking to your friends, like you said, your parents are, you know, and your, your uh, in-laws, they're about, you know, they're, they consume as well. And I think that would even be shocking to a lot of my, my peers. If, you know, if I told them that I was just, you know, able to hang out with my mom and dad and do that, you know, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. You said it's just, it's just the way you consume It's you know, and you're just part. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for me, that's what really made this whole journey. I mean, being an entrepreneur, I learned a lot of things. I was able to check a lot of check boxes off for uh, things that I wanted to do in my life. But I often thought, even if the company just tanks tomorrow, if Vapegate took us down, like what it's changed in my family dynamics was it was worth it for all of that. You know, like the last three Thanksgivings, like we have the VapeXL Evo out on the dinner spread, you know, like, <laughs> like when there's no alcohol, people aren't arguing or fighting with each other. Everyone's just enjoying themselves. And when it's normalized, like the kids don't even ask a single question, you know, they're just like... 
Because you don't have to make a big deal about it. Yeah, you're, you're just, not yeah. hiding it. Yeah. It's not something exactly. private or a secret. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I've taken I, – when I was younger, I was much more like cannabis is like just this really awesome thing. And now I just kind of look at it as anything else, you know. If it's used properly, it's awesome. But can it be abused? Absolutely, you know. So I'm just trying to, especially with two young daughters, is not try to overblow what it can do or what it is and then not try to undermine it or demonize it either. Just like, hey, this is something that certain adults like to do. This mm-hmm. is how this it benefits them. Me. And yeah. But ultimately, I would much rather have them be cannabis consumers and like heavy <laughs> drinkers, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Just for so many reasons, health uh socially yeah, yeah but you know so kind of touch on that um educating the youth and making sure you know it's just known like you know what you can know about is out there like do you see like where do you kind of see cannabis in general in like the next five years say so um i run two other groups uh canadads and canna athlete so um i see cannabis actually just getting way more mainstream acceptance a lot of people are really benefiting from it you know you're seeing all the politicians really support it and i think that once you have like a relative a close relative benefit from it it's really hard for you to keep you know pounding the uh uh, uh the drum on like why it's bad and then on the canna athlete side i mean we've been working with tons of professional athletes weaning them off of opiates and putting them on cannabinoids instead um on our board, we have uh, Eugene Monroe, who is a retired uh, Baltimore Raven. Um, he actually retired at the age of 29. He was going to play for the Niners, but realized like the CTE and uh, traumatic head injuries was just, you know, he's not going to let his sons play. Yeah, yeah, and was just opted to retire early and start promoting this. So, well, I actually think that um, cannabis is going to be the gateway drug for people to better understand plant medicines. You know, and with cannabis, you know, uh, CBD, CBG have shown to strengthen um, the neural pathways uh, previously. You know, they thought the neural pathways were destroyed. That was it. Um, so while it's not conclusive, uh, Israel, Dr. Mashulam is doing uh, research on CBG. And then for the athletes, um, we we had to come up with this new nomenclature because we had thought most of the athletes were using cannabis for recovery, but the vast majority of them were using cannabis before they practiced or even before games. So we knew that there was medication. We knew that there's intoxication, but what do you call it when people use cannabis to get into flow state? So yeah, yeah. we call that activation. Yeah. Something mm. interesting that you bring up there. Cause I've actually trained like that myself. Like I consume a little bit, before i go to the gym and i do get into that state where i'm just like in the zone and i very much enjoy working out in that in that state i mean you even recently i think it was like last month like nate diaz was out there yeah on stage you know with the cbds but you know he's he's just trying to shed light on it like yeah let's put it out there like these are high level athletes you know and you're working with them all the time so just educating them on it you know? yeah i mean the the one area that i think most people are skeptical but you've already felt the the effects of it is, you know, using cannabis as an enhancer of physical workouts. And, you know, you use the words, it helps you get in the zone. Uh, we work with a lot of like mixed martial artists and you would not believe how many of them say when they're fighting, they'll think about like problems with their ex-girlfriend or emails that they haven't responded to or like DMs on their yeah. Instagram or their manager not doing this. And then the next thing you know, they're like being woken up from being knocked out and, so when they were telling me, like, 
I had friends that would like smoke before they like they swam or ran, but I never knew people were like level. smoking or consuming cannabis before yeah. like combat, combat sports, sports, you know, yeah. like. And and at first I was familiar with doing it with jujitsu, but you're not getting hit in the head. So I just thought, yeah, with jujitsu, you know, you're just having fun wrestling with someone. But when the athletes started, like the strikers were telling me, like they would consume before striking, that kind of like blew my mind. But when they explained to me that it was mainly to just focus on fighting and not all the million and one things going through their head, it made sense. And you know, and that's when we started coming up with the new nomenclature of activation. And for some people. They need to consume like two blunts to get activated. <laughs> for some people, it's like yeah. just one or say, two for drops me, it's of just a like CBD a tincture. Bit, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't so get zoted, but yeah. So it's kind of all over the place. But this is kind of you mentioned this a few times. You know, you got to listen to your body and you know, kind of understand your own feelings and your interaction and relationship with cannabis and figure out what's working and what's not working. And you know, for me, even though I'm a huge proponent of exercising while doing cannabis. Um, like when I compete in jujitsu, I always take a huge edible. So it lasts me throughout the day, but I've also had friends do that and <laughs> miss their, not. miss the tournament because yeah, they were sneaking through it. Yeah. 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 So you really do yeah. need to just kind of know yourself and it is, you know, as much as we'd like to say there is a formula, a lot of it is trial and error of just trying. Okay. I took five milligrams. What happened? I took 10 milligrams. What happened? Oh, I took 15 milligrams and. I did really good that day. And we like to be very data oriented. We have them keep journals of like how well they slept, what they ate, so that it's not just one data point of like, I consumed three dabs today and I did this good, right? It's a combination of all those factors. Yeah, that's important because it is just one of the factors in your life, not the only thing that you have to worry about. Yeah, when you're training or anything, you know, yeah, introduce them in your life. Yeah. And I think it's great because. The same way, that especially I'm sure that you see with other athletes, like the way your body has to recover, your mind does too. So helping to slow it down in certain instances and, you know, just. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you brought up something really good, which is a lot of the new users love to use CBD because it's non-psychoactive. But I think culturally we've been trained to kind of think of things that give us any type of pleasure as being bad. You know, and what we <laughs> yeah. found out is when you have the CBD with the THC and the rest of the cannabinoids, it's much more bioavailable for your body, and your body um, receives it and uptakes it a lot more. And there's a reason why it comes together to begin with, right? Correct, like, yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. The way I explain CBD to people, just CBD isolate when it's extracted from the plant, I was like, you know, like, if flour is like fresh-squeezed orange juice, CBD isolate is like, it's not even like from from concentrate it's like tang you know it's just this other thing that has like one component the color orange yeah, you know? yeah. and like and nothing taste, else is it, similar. It, 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 there's no natural means. ingredients yeah. in there correct correct yeah. and you know I, I mean that was something my parents went through which was they're like oh shit like if this gets me high am i gonna be an addict and they were like very hesitant to try anything other than cbd at first but once they started mixing a little bit of thc and they just allowed themselves to feel you know, more relaxed than they were able to, to really enjoy it. Yeah. I, you know, I can't speak highly enough about the power of CBD. I, I was a little skeptical at first, admittedly, but I actually ruptured my Achilles a couple of years ago and I wanted to get off of opioids as fast as I could. So I turned to CBD products and it helped tremendously like with my pain. Like I remember I was, I was experiencing a lot of strain just cause 
having to compensate with other parts of my body. And I, you know, I turned to CBD products and it really made a, a tremendous difference in my uh, recovery. Well, that's great. So um, the doctor prescribed you opioids and then you replaced yeah. them with the CBD? Yeah. I mean, I, I took the opioids for a little bit just because the pain is a little excruciating. But as soon as I felt comfortable enough to wean off them, I turned to CBD and I, I never looked back. That's cool. Did you use like a topical or? I actually used a vape at first and then I, I, I used topicals as well in conjunction with those. So yeah, different effects like the the vape like helped almost immediately. The topical helped like kind of like long term nurse it back to health. And I mean, I still continue to use yeah. topicals to this day. Like when whenever I'm sore or. You know, have some some swelling, and I mean, those my legs are still kind of messed up. So, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. hey, your body's never in your process, man. Yeah. Well, that's a. I mean, you brought up a great point about you know the vape would give you instant relief, and then you use the topical for um, the longer duration of pain relief. And we always recommend to people like the way your body processes cannabinoids uh, from topical to ingestion to inhalables. Uh, it's all a little bit different, you know, and. Um, there's no one perfect formula uh, uh, for a lot of people. You know, they'll use inhalables because it cures the acute pain very quickly. But if you're trying to sleep through the night, you know, a lot of times it, uh, when it wears off, you end up waking up. So for people that want to sleep through the night, eating an edible where it stays in your system longer, you know, is very uh, beneficial. And I like to use a more holistic approach, which is some edibles, some inhalables, and some topicals depending on what's going on with someone. Something I kind of want to touch on, um, you mentioned how you work with athletes as well. And us being like here in the middle of tech and the middle of cannabis, like, is there a lot of intersection intersecting with that, um, you know, like with your athletes and how you use the use like data that you get from them and how you guys are using cannabis? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's, uh, you know, whether you're an athlete or someone in Silicon Valley, I think the one thing that ties everything together is people that want high performance either high performance out of work or high performance out of their movement or athletics. And it's really hard to make improvements if you don't have the data, you know. And um, there's a part of me that there's a little bit of hippie in me where I'm just <laughs> like, well, if it feels right, that's good enough, yes. <laughs> you know. But especially for athletes or, you know, people in Silicon Valley that want everything quantified, well, how do you show improvement? Well, you, you show them the numbers, right? So, and that's actually given us a lot of credibility when we speak to investors or reporters or anybody that might be in disbelief that, hey, you know, we're giving combat athletes cannabis before they practice or before they compete. And well, once we show them the data of how they performed, we're like, well, either it's correlation or there's causation, but yes, it's but skewing it's positive, right? Yeah. So if it was skewing the other way, then we would stop doing those things. But as long as the data shows that. And, you know, I think we are moving to a more data-oriented world. So even though I was saying, like, the hippie in me is just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it feels right body, and you're enjoying yeah. yourself, mm -hmm. you know, just keep doing it. Um, it's also great to have the qualitative and quantitative all together. Well, now's a good time that we can head into a segment that we call Support Quality. And uh, we just want to ask you about something that has brought quality to your life or your business. Uh, and that could be a person, a place, a thing, a process, but something that's brought quality to you lately. Yeah, you know, so I think uh, my latest hobby has been growing mushrooms. Um, as I, I thought cannabis was a very interesting plant to study. 
but mushrooms I think are it's like even more complex and there's more capabilities of what this fungi could do or fungi is what I recently was corrected um, and I'm not just talking about magic mushrooms either. You know, I'm just talking about like the lion's mane that I'm growing. They're really just nutrient dense. Like there's cordyceps mushrooms that help the oxygen uptake. You know, there's all these really interesting things. It's also one of the most like genetically different species on this planet. You know, I, I tend to believe that, um, these things came on an asteroid since they could survive in a vacuum. And because they share the least amount of commonality with plants or even animals yeah, on this yeah, planet. Yeah, exactly. It's not like either of those things. It's yeah, its own, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people who think this panspermia idea is crazy, it's like, well, meteors and shit hit planets all the time. You know, how do you think water got here? It was a ice comet, you know? So I don't think it's too ridiculous. But I do think that... Um, so my mushroom fascination has probably been the last six months. Um, Oakland has now basically decriminalized, like, all of these different plant medicines. The Asian community... Um, is one that really represses emotions. You know, I've been having people go to Oakland and experience some of these plant therapies and, um, you know, people that had to go to therapy for one year, two year, one or two decades, all of a sudden, you know, through one of these sessions, you know, um, coming out a changed person. And, you know, it's amazing to see, you know, when you've known someone suffering for that long a period of time to have that much of a change just off of one experience. Um, it, it's enough to make anyone curious, I think. Yeah, and at then, least do more studying on mm-hmm, it. Yeah. Like you said, if they're getting the results, it doesn't matter. You know, let's see what it's about. Yeah, and then John Hopkins University a few years ago completed a, a study with uh, over 2,000 patients, and uh, over 80% of them said it was uh, one of the top five experiences of their lives. And it was uh, a long-lasting change, too, where if they were trying to quit, like, cigarettes, you know, they interviewed them one, two, three years later. And they were still weaned off of cigarettes. So it had this long-lasting change. And um, this one book that I recently read, it was by uh, Michael Pollan, who wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. But he wrote a new book called How to Change Your Mind. And it is really covering a lot of mental illness that could be cured with these plant medicines. So that is something of quality that has really impacted my life recently. Yeah, because I've seen they've even tried to use it for like Alzheimer's and stuff like that to see, yeah, the benefits. Yeah, like you said, how degenerative like brain function that they're seeing that you can still grow that back and everything. So, yep, man. yep. And that's why we're growing the lion's mane um, that has also shown um, regenerative and strengthening of neural pathways. The NFL and NHL are spending a lot of money um, researching this. And, uh, you know, I figured, hey. These are really easy to grow. Yeah. And you yeah. can do your own experiment. Yeah. Take Correct. those apart too, the same way you've been doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait to get to a, a space of my own that I can have a garden and start experimenting my own mushroom experimentations. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I actually have a, a friend that uh, started a company in Amsterdam called Psychedelic Explorer where they do uh, guided mushroom tours for people out there and i know that she's mentioned that that's something that she'd like to get into on the podcast eventually so nicolita oh yeah yeah congratulations and you know if i go to amsterdam i'll be sure to check check it out out. but i do believe you know that this is and i know a handful of people that are opening these centers in oakland as well but i do believe that um i mean we are living in a society where everyone seems to be anxious or depressed Um, and I social think social media feeds all of those things. Oh too. man. And I do think, you know, again, 
I am a science and quantitative oriented guy, but the hippie in me does feel like, you know, these things have more acceptance today because, you know, our society quite frankly needs it. And I was studying mental illness or illness mainly because my folks are in their uh, 70s now and they're dealing with some of this stuff. And out of every medical field, you know, like orthopedics, surgery, optical, like so much progress has been made over the last 50 years. But uh, psychology, you know, they had less than 10% success rate when they started. It's still less than 10%, which is why most of these um, psychotherapists are also just really on board with this, even as controversial as it is, because, well, if only one out of 10 of your customers is happy, I argue it's tough to run a business like that. Well, Sabo, what is, uh, what do you got coming up as far as Hanu Labs, Vape Exhale, what, what's going on? Yeah, so um, Hanu is, we're bringing on a bunch of new partners. Uh, Pluto is a brand new company that launched. Uh, these are the sauce pods that we were uh, inhaling throughout this podcast. Uh, the sauce pods, really high quality, really tasty. So we'll be bringing on a few more partners like Pluto, but uh, we'll also be releasing our own CBD line. Um, what's different about our CBD, CBD line is uh, it's what we call broad spectrum. So it's all the uh, hundreds of cannabinoids in addition to CBD. It just doesn't have the THC. So, and we always kind of looked at THC as just, you know, it is one of the more important cannabinoids, but it's not the end-all be-all. So if you could have the vast majority of them uh, minus the THC, you'll still have the higher bioavailability. And uh, we should be launching that uh, by holiday season. Nice. You're going to have some nice uh, holiday packages for the folks available yeah, online? Go. Yep, absolutely. You know, we believe that uh, couples that dab together or consume <laughs> cannabis together, you know, stay together. And, you know, I can only tell you that my wife, she never consumed cannabis until I designed these devices. Once she started using it, she quit drinking, you know. So I was like, holy crap, you know, like either these devices are that good or cannabis in conjunction with this device, you know. It's a game changer for people, and um, I'm not, like, saying, like, anything about drinking, but I think as we all get older, um, I'm 42 now. My wife is, I don't know. Yep. I think that's <laughs> all that we well, have yep. to say that. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as, like, yeah. our kind of lifestyle changes, you know, we really, really, you know, enjoy kind of, like, the shift in consciousness that cannabis gives you, you know, just more mellow, just kind of enjoy the slower things, slower paced things like gardening or just eating food. Um, <laughs> well, and we already know that they're uh, Thanksgiving table friendly, you know what I mean? So yeah. Right yeah. On there. yeah. So I hope maybe come to a table near you guys. So Totally, totally. <laughs> Let's open it up to all your guests to come over for Thanksgiving. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually hosting Thanksgiving with my sister uh, this okay, year. Nice. So. Maybe maybe it yeah. just might find its way to my, my tabletop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where can the people uh keep up with uh with you and all the new stuff you guys got going on? Yep. So our desktop vaporizer is vapexhale.com. That's V A P E X H A L E dot com. Um the uh portable vaporizer is uh the Hanu Stone. Um that's at Hanulabs.com. Uh Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is basically just the company name, so super easy to find. And uh, I am at Sabo Hanu, S-E-I-B-O-H-A-N-U on Instagram. I love communicating with people, anyone that has questions. I love uh, answering whatever I can. I love learning about 
cool new ideas. So if you guys know of any new mushrooms or plant medicines or technology that's super interesting, you know, slide into my DMs. Or actually, that's not the right vernacular. I'm a married man. Just uh, send it to message my DMs. Me. Yeah, 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 message yeah. me via social media. <laughs> this is what happens when an older person watches like young hip kids for a little while. They try to use the same vernacular and just use it incorrectly. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't right. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, just send them to my DMs. Yes, yes. Email me per this uh, topic. <laughs> well, yeah, you can find Sabo at all those places he just described. They'll also be in the description of this podcast. I am at Mr. Beatty on Instagram. And I'm at Young Man Old Souls. And together we are at Quality Goods TV on the Insta. You can find links to this podcast there. You can find links to our YouTube channel. You can find links to merch too. We got merch, guys. Ooh. Yeah. Some t-shirts, some some goods. I gotta say, young man, old soul is a pretty cool handle. I appreciate that. Yeah, my Sabo Hanu. I was just like, it's my name and the company <laughs> name. That's the point. Though, right? <laughs> yeah, they know where to find you. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll find you when they when they need to. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you again for hosting us in your home this this afternoon. Yeah, it's a beautiful a day. day. Great products. And uh, yeah, I think I might, I might just have to pick one up very soon. Well, you know what? I love to be Oprah, so you get a stone and you get a stone. Let's do this. Boom. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, th- this day just got a whole lot better. and uh, But for now, we're, we're tuning out. So we'll catch you on the next one. We out. <laughs> <laughs>